Young Gwendolyn's activism in the NAACP Youth Council emboldened her creative spirit, and her creativity and literary ambitions walked hand-in-hand with her involvement with like-minded, serious, young, progressive Negroes. The late 1930s and 1940s would signal a period of enormous personal and artistic fulfillment. These satisfied parts of her being were brought about directly not by her action as a gifted individual, but through her engagement in group activities. As she embraced her activist and literary communities, the entire community embraced her back. After graduating from Woodrow Wilson Junior College and during her engagement with the NAACP, Gwendolyn was at war with herself concerning her womanhood versus her art. She concluded, but as for happiness, that comes with love alone, I guess. But the balance between womanly duties and fancies and artistic pursuits persisted. Yet Gwendolyn surrendered to her destiny as a poet and writer, and she intelligently followed the path seemingly laid out for her. Gwendolyn entered a new, critical phase of her writing when she met her first and only truly serious beau, Henry Blakely, Jr. She and Henry talked poetry and shared books. They gazed into each other's eyes and liked what they saw. He was a rich, brown, bespectacled young man, tallish. She stood beside him and looked up into the future. She recognized his presence from her dreams as a young girl. He would be her husband and the father of her long-planned-for children. She believed her body was designed for children and her mind for poetry. Their meeting was auspicious. He heard from a friend, Sarah Merchant, that there was a girl who wrote poetry who went to the NAACP Youth Council. He wanted to meet her. So he stood in the doorway of the YWCA at 46th and South Park. And Gwendolyn looked up and saw him. He was serious-looking and bore himself with dignity. She smiled a secret smile as she observed the newcomer. She turned to her friend, Margaret Taylor Goss, painter and poet, and said, There's the man I'm going to marry. Bold Margaret, the matchmaker, yelled across the room at young Henry, Hey, boy, this girl wants to meet you. Love at first sight is a phenomenon that poets and songwriters write about. It is legendary because it happened more so in a time before cynicism and casual sex. It is an experience for the innocent. Gwendolyn and Henry were both 21. It was 1938. They had enjoyed a year-long courtship of dating, going to the movies, sharing books and each other's poetry, kisses, and embraces. Gwendolyn was raised by a mother so religious that she wrote hymns. She raised Gwendolyn to be a nice girl. Yet, over the years, in the Lights and Shadows column of the Chicago Defender, Gwendolyn had revealed a passionate heart that constantly yearned after romantic love. Earlier than that, in her childhood dreams, she had fantasized about a loving man who would be the kind of doting father to her children that her own father was to her and her brother Raymond. She wrote in a poem that she had longed for a tall, dark, and handsome man, 
with these strict physical stipulations. As she matured, she asked for a mate who was kind. Henry Blakely was all of these. They were deeply in love and wanted to be one in body as well as spirit. Better to marry than to burn, St. Paul said. Gwendolyn and Henry wanted to marry, but their parents, especially Henry's mother, argued that the couple was not yet ready for marriage and that her son was not yet mature enough for the responsibilities of maintaining a wife and household. But the fires of young love and the wisdom of destiny prevailed. Gwendolyn and Henry were wed a year after they first met, in the living room of the Brooks family home on that street in Bronzeville. Over the course of the next few years, they lived in several apartments in Bronzeville. The first was a kitchen...